We are back with another episode of Rhythms of Grace. We are in the, uh, it's hard to say if we're in the middle or the beginning of a season called No Easy Answers. Basically, people are submitting questions about concepts or passages of scripture that they find confusing, alarming, offensive, and we're trying to make it even more complicated (laughs) (laughs) over the course of the next 20 or 30 minutes. Our last episode was uh, on the idea of hell, mm-hmm. and actually somebody responded to that, um, right? Yeah, um, and th- it's been great getting responses via text or this person Facebook messaged me, but let me give you the number if you want to text even more questions, 734-709-5742. Uh, one person even texted me and said, because uh, they, they, they were one of the people who who texted a question. And when I complained about like, all of a sudden I'm getting all these seven, three, four numbers. She was like, I'm not calling you. I Ah, swear. I promise. Uh, But this one person said, Hey, one thing you and Nate didn't mention in your discussion of hell, I think is the idea of mercy. Mm. So I believe in annihilationism, which is the belief that your soul eventually just gets annihilated instead of suffering eternally in uh, hell, mm. because I can't imagine eternal torment as a just punishment for temporal sin. I had accept always I had always accepted the idea that we deserve eternal punishment for any sin, but really now that doesn't make sense to me. I could be wrong, and I don't think believing or not believing in hell changes whether you participate in it. But I can't imagine God being less merciful than me, and it seems much more merciful to end a soul's suffering than prolong it. And then he signs off by saying, "Great discussion. Keep up the good work." Yes, I mean that's an interesting that's an interesting consideration. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I, I think the the juxtaposition of eternal suffering versus, like he said, temporal sin, which means sort of like physical, sort of you know, um, right. that's an interesting consideration. And yeah. I, and I think it's helpful again just to understand that there are people who are earnest followers of Jesus who are trying to do the right thing and wrestling with these issues. Um, and there are different places to land, uh, even to disagree. And that doesn't necessarily, I, I should say, a f- total alignment of our beliefs isn't the same thing as pursuing Jesus together. Yeah. Well, and, and just a little discussion into that. Uh, we touched upon this a little bit last time, but uh, like, for example, Catholics believe in purgatory, which is yeah. temporary punishment, and there's almost a sense of being restored after uh, X amount of time in purgatory. And and there are s- passages and scriptures that they would go to and say this is why they have mm-hmm. that belief. And this, uh, this uh, claim of annihilationism is conditional immortality. Mm. Which is interesting because those who go to heaven, uh, it w- exists forever. Okay. But those who are condemned or, or are or find themselves in hell, that's uh, that somehow they their souls get consumed or even destroyed. Mm. And one thing to consider, a couple things I, I think, uh, and he has some really interesting points. But I, I think the idea of eternal torment as just punishment for temporal sin, and I'm not saying this is this is not a uh, an argument or debate as much as just something to consider, even as he has thrown that into consideration, is even in, in this life, there are certain, uh, let's say, uh, crimes of passion that happen in an instant. Okay. Like murder, mm-hmm. where you are punished um, for the rest of your days yeah. alive. Yeah. So uh, on one hand, you know, we get our just desserts if we 
you know, our, our punishment is uh, should be appropriate to the behavior that we've committed. Yeah. Um, and, and so there, there is that sense. At the same time, uh, j- yeah, just something to think about too. Sure. In, in the equation. And to play devil's advocate, I mean, I would also say that that. Well, there's a lot of arguments that our justice system doesn't work very well, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So there are probably people that are listening to this saying, well, I mean, if you want to base God's judgment on a broken earthly system that yep. you've sort of like, you have to, s- we're done before we start. Yep. Um, but uh, it is an interesting concept to consider that the mercy of God does not end after our physical bodies die. Just as a just as an interesting mm-hmm. thing to consider. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. There's a man. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to sort of navigate there. Yep. And I will. Uh, and I'll put also put something out there too in in that concept of mercy. I, I think, um, when we think of mercy, what we think of is some some sort of uh, forgiveness for some wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and so somehow that you you. Uh, apply mercy um and i i think and we just did a series on this one of them was about god being just yeah right and and uh, you know you like if you think about the uh, if you cast aside the whole idea uh, of hell right and the, the whole notion that we talked about last time about sometimes the uh, kind of proud arrogant pers- posture that people have when talking about hell yeah but if if there is if um, you, you, part of part, let's say you, you uh, somebody uh, murders one of your kids, mm-hmm. there there's going to be a sense of of justice that needs to be that needs to happen, which is why I think we experience that. And, and even and then if the person goes scot free or lives a, a nice comfortable life. Like even the concept of like you know if not in this world in the next there has to be fair fairness and right justice that has to happen, and so again I, I think it, it is it, it is interesting to hold um, when you ha- hold all the different things in tension with one another about like justice and mercy, um, and I, I even wonder where does mercy play in if like we talked about last time where the people who are, let's say, uh, find themselves in eternal, we'll, we'll call, we'll, I'll say separation from God rather than hell. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I, I think just to deconstruct that word hell, because that just right. has so much oh, baggage. Yeah, a ton. But just like if you're eternally separated and, and it's locked from the inside and you have absolutely no desire to even be restored to God, even if you were to extend mercy, um, what if like, because uh, that's that, that's happened in my life where I I extend mercy and forgiveness, but the person wants nothing to do with me. We mm. are still separated. Yeah. So um, again, just some things to think through. Um, sure. And I just want to um, say, if anyone wants to hear that sermon on mercy and justice, it's a good one. It it was from September nineteenth. Uh, so you can find that on our website. But it was that week was the week that you covered justice, mm-hmm. which had a lot to say about uh, mercy versus justice or mercy and justice it's a good one yeah and so today uh a very similar topic um but on the other side 
let me let me find it. Uh, she wrote in and said, hey, obviously we can never know the answer to this, but I'd be interested to hear your perspective on heaven and new earth. I used to think we went to heaven, she puts that in quotes, when we died to still exist in some form before new earth was created. But after reading and studying more, it seems to me that we truly die, that we really die slash sleep slash cease to exist until God raises us all into the new earth and that's the kind of where i've landed for now would love to hear your perspective thanks um this is good because it's like uh it's all the same questions about hell but on the other side (laughs) right and it's it'll be interesting to see if our conversation the things that we don't want to be true about heaven i'm sorry the things that we don't want to be true about hell for example uh eternal punishment for temporal sin we certainly want to be true about <laughs> heaven, right? We want we want eternal reward for sort of for temporal decisions that we've made. Uh, and I think you said it in the conversation about hell, which is like, well, if if someone can move out of hell post death, let's say, can someone move out of heaven <laughs> post death? Scary. Yeah, so again, like, there's let's. I'm excited to get into this. Okay. Let's uh, let's get rolling. I'm already scared. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think I think she really taps into something that people have a misconception about it, about heaven. And, and, you know, sometimes even the way pastors um, and, and Christians talk about heaven, give our, give, give ourselves away as being inconsistent okay. because we'll say, Hey, if you, if you know, um, after you die, you'll go to heaven. Mm. Right. And so we say things like that, but that's a very different picture from if you read at the, at the end of revelation 21 and 22, it's, it talks about the new heavens and new earth. And so, um, which you think, okay, I I get new earth. What's new heaven. Yeah. So those are some of the questions. And so this, this world to come, which is just called the new heavens and new earth is the eternal dwelling place of people who place their faith in Christ. Um, and so the new earth is the quote unquote heaven, in which we're going to spend eternity. It's the new earth where, and Revelation talks about this, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, uh, the you know pearly gates, streets of gold, and those are all metaphors because uh, they can't really they can't really describe what it's like. And, and when you read the the New Testament, you'll hear they keep saying you know it's like this, it's like that, yeah, yeah. because there's no other way to to really describe it, and so. Uh, heaven or the new earth is the physical place where we will dwell because oftentimes we have this idea that we'll be little angels floating on clouds playing that harp baby (laughs) (laughs) one one of our location pastors used to play the harp he did um but um so the whole idea of heaven being in the clouds is not really biblical, and that the the idea that will be spirits floating in heaven is also not biblical. Um, the The new earth will be free from sin and sickness and suffering and death, and um, the idea is when you read Revelation is instead of us going up to heaven, and maybe that was popularized by that uh, what was that um, series of books. Um, Left, left behind. behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Where you yeah. get caught up into the clouds and and all that. But well, let me let me pause for just a second yeah. because I feel like I'm man, I'm like pulling from years ago okay. a sermon that actually I heard at Grace, um, where uh where whoever was preaching was talking about the sort of the understanding of the world that 
that the the people who wrote the Bible sort of had in mind, and that mm. there was sort of like the earth, and then yeah. the heaven was actually like a a physical place, yeah. In some words, so so it's not surprising that their language reflects that, because that's literally how they believed the physical world looked or worked. Yeah. And now that we know that that's uh, not accurate, sort of. Physically, mm-hmm. there isn't a place like if you go up high enough, you're not going to get to like a new sort of <laughs> pl- place. Right, right. Uh, I can I can appreciate that that language that they were using starts to get a little confusing. Yeah. Well, so yeah, right, exactly. So when they talked about the new heaven, uh, the heavens, that referred to the skies or or just outer space, the realm in which you know they perceived God dwelled. Right. And so when when it talks about the new heavens and new earth, really it, it it's talking about not that um, this world. There's there's a hymn that talks about this, like how how this earth will just fade away mm. and and melt like snow, like Brigadoon into uh, the mist. I don't know if you've ever seen that, no. <laughs> that play. It's about a town that uh disip- that shows up every like. Hundred years or something okay. like that for two days, and then fades back into the mist. Okay, or uh, growing up, I used to think, and sometimes I would hear uh, pastors say this, like, you know, everything in this world will burn away, mm. you know, and a la the Terminator movies. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> we're like okay, but really, when it talks about the new earth and the new city coming, da- it, it, it talks in, in Revelation about the c- city coming down. Mm. Uh, in other words. When Christ returns, everything on this earth will actually be renewed and restored. Uh, the, the Bible talks about even creation groaning. Mm. And so if creation is ruined and marred by sin, and even creation is yearning to be renewed, um, when the new earth comes, everything on earth will be restored. And so imagine like, and I'm going to use like a maybe a, a farm or a car analogy here. Like just imagine like an old rusty, you know, bucket of a car. Mm-hmm. Just it, it, it's it's just groaning because it's old and rickety and yeah. Rusty. Every time you turn a corner or step on the brakes, <laughs> yeah. the car groans. And, and imagine, and you did this recently, right? You you restored a pickup truck. I, I mean, a significant portion of it. Yeah. Yes, it took weeks, but it was worth it. Yeah, and so. Imagine, imagine like the most beautiful place on earth that you can imagine, and even that is like an old rust bucket compared to what the new earth will look like. Um, and, and so we will dwell in this new earth, and God will restore all things, all creation. And when it talks about new heavens, it's talking about like uh, a new a new sky, a new outer space, basically the entire universe. So it's not just a new earth, but the entire universe will somehow be restored, renewed when Christ returns. And, and that, and so it's not like, well, you know, everything temporary is going to burn up in the end or, or well, you know, this is going to fade away. No, no, no. The, the very things that you experience now, the things that give you joy, the things that give you delight are a sliver and, and a pointer, a signpost to uh, ultimate joy and delight. The other thing I consider when I think about what the what the writers like of Revelation, for example, were trying to explain is that again, in some ways, and this is just a wondering, you know, 
in some ways, I think they were trying to put words, like you said, onto the indescribable. Yeah. And then I've heard someone say, it's really, it's possible to think about God's reality as being three-dimensional and our reality is two-dimensional. Yeah. And so in some ways, how can a two-dimensional being ever fully understand what a three-dimensional being is? Our experience of him would be how his presence intersects with our two-dimensional plane mm-hmm. and is only even like the barest hint of what his actual being and presence and activity is. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about that and I think, well, if, if, we're, if the new heavens and new earth are something that God is doing, it's very possible that we don't even have a framework for what that's going to look like. Right. And so we've tried to explain it, but every time that we sort of put our words or our understanding on it, there's, in my mind, sort of the strong uh, risk or temptation to make it something that is really sort of focused on us aspect that's only one very small slice mm-hmm. of what we might know or might understand and the reality of it is in an entirely different imagine dimension you know yeah in terms yeah. of how we think about it right like our words fail to describe the full reality of what this new heaven new earth will be like and even the you mean it won't be like United States in the 1950s song? It's not going to be a return to the good old days when everybody, <laughs> no, <laughs> there was a chicken in every pot. Well, yeah. So just to just to have the juxtaposition, juxtaposition, and this is a summary of what we've just been talking about the last 10, 15 minutes. So, uh, a number of years ago, Maria Shriver, who was married to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold, <laughs> and uh, actually, I think she's the niece of JFK wrote a children's book called What's Heaven? Hmm. And and again, this is the view of most people in America, and I would even say some Christians, where she says, so, you know, so heaven is somewhere you, somewhere you believe in. Hmm. Okay, it's not even a physical place. So you believe in it. Uh, here, I'm going to pull it up here. She says, it's a beautiful place where you can sit on soft clouds and talk to other people who are there. Any night you can sit next to the stars, which are the brightest of anywhere in the universe. If you're good throughout your life, then you get to go to heaven. When your life is finished here on earth, God sends angels down to take you up to heaven to be with him. What did, what did she write this book for? For, for children. Huh. For her children. It's a children's book. Interesting. And, and so, but again, that, that's the uh, typical view yeah. of most Americans yeah. and even uh, many, the average Christian in America. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, uh, it, our our understanding is very two dimensional, or even one dimensional, yeah. compared to God's yeah. three dimensional right. Right. perspective. And so the question, the question then is, because sometimes Christians can be accused of being so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. And so you have someone like John Lennon saying, "Hey, imagine there's no heaven." Yeah, can you sing that? Uh... I mean, probably. Okay. Uh, and he goes on to say, basically in the song, if you imagine there's no heaven, he's taking a dig in kind of the, the idea that heaven is this pie in the sky dream. Mm-hmm. Then, like, all we can do to improve this world is, is good because it's the only world we have. Right. And right. he has a, a good reason to think that because... Some Christians, especially back in the decades that he was alive, would have had held the view of, yep, everything in this world is going down. Oh, sure. So take care of the planet. Who cares? Sure. 
right? Take care yeah. of the earth. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's that hymn, In the Sweet By and By, We Will Meet on That Beautiful Shore. It's kind of <laughs> like it's a to- whole different thing. Yeah. Like you're going to leave this shore, go to a different shore. Yeah. Who cares what you've left behind? Right, right. And so it's like, well, live for today because yeah. um, there, that's, that's all there is. And let's make it a good world by taking care of it. So th- there's that. And then you have somebody like Karl Marx who says, well, religion is the opiate of the people. Yeah. And it's just a, um, it, 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 you know, th- it's this promise of a better future to try to stop the masses from rising in revolt. Basically, they're all saying this view of heaven or faith is, ju- I mean, it's there to either dull your pain um, and, and rob you of any will to affect change in this world. And why not just think that this world is all there is? Because if, if you think that, then you will do all you can to take care of it. So how do, how do, how do Christians respond to that? Because those are fair uh, accusations. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it goes back to the question of, yeah, if you think we escape the troubles of this world by going up to heaven... That's exactly what you create. You you con- you confirm their their accusations. Wow. Uh, so I mean, again, no easy answers. But so, what is a? Can you remind me what did our what did the, the person who wrote the question what what was their perspective on heaven? Well, she said that she used to think we went up to heaven. Okay. When you died. Okay. And now she's coming to a, a fuller understanding, and that's what I would call it. Like that, the the previous view is a truncated view of heaven. Yeah. The fuller understanding is like, yeah, you you, you die, and when Christ returns, right, we are joined with God in this new heavens and new earth because He has come to fully recreate it. Yeah. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me as we start to process this, is that one of our fundamental beliefs, again, and for me this is like sort of God being outside our dimension, is that if he isn't limited by, I mean, even that description, Mm -hmm. like her saying we are dead until we are sort of risen, Mm -hmm. that is still a sort of time-specific understanding. And if we're willing to sort of, look at it as though God is outside time, it's possible to say, well, experientially, there wouldn't be decades or centuries where you're sort of just waiting Mm -hmm. because that is a time-locked perspective. And if we say that God is outside time, who knows what that feels like? You know, it could feel instantaneous because you've sort of moved yourself outside of the timeline, you know, to go sort of... Marvel universe <laughs> on it. Um, so that that's another, it's, it's almost like th- that brings together people that say, well, will you go to heaven when you die? Yeah. Or people that say, well, you kind of wait until new heaven or new earth. Those are both, if you remove the time element, yeah. those things kind of could theoretically be happening. They could both be happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it's an interesting the thing to consider. And I think when it comes to Christian doctrine about any of these things, heaven, hell, or, or the nature of God, like we, we are just stumbling in the dark, oh. trying to use our words to describe. Yeah. And, and that's where, uh, again, sometimes 
and there's a balance here. On one hand, it's like God has revealed enough of himself so we can say this for certain. Yeah. But there are so many things that he doesn't reveal himself. And so when Christians are like so dogmatic about everything, yep. saying this is how it is, um, I, you just you just have to consider that maybe uh, they, <laughs> it's almost like they, they're afraid that they need to defend God. Yeah. And it removes a lot of the element of mystery, which I think is so fundamental to an understanding of, and what I think a lot of people are looking for. Like I'm looking for a sense that there's something bigger than me that's beyond my under, it's almost like if you can understand it, is that really like a God that you want to worship? I mean, I don't really feel that way. I feel much more comfortable sitting in the, and this is, this has come with, age and gray hairs, but I'm com- more comfortable sitting in the uncertainty because I would, I, I am much more comfortable with a God who's beyond my understanding mm-hmm. than I am with one where I feel like I always have an answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. absolutely. So I think there are a lot of things that we don't know. Let, let's say the example of going outside of time mm-hmm. or even right. Like, yeah. So a lot of the descriptions are from the human perspective yeah. written in scripture, right? And, and that's why, actually, this is another question that came up, but we'll address in the future. But like, um, you know, there are contradictions or in, in the Bible, yeah. you know, like, you know, one example, one easy example could be like, well, it talks about the sun rising. Well, the sun doesn't rise, right? Again, it, it's written from an anthropological perspective. Yeah. That's a whole nother uh, um, um, episode. But I think the thing we can say uh, about what God has said is heaven is not an alternative to this world. It is a recreation of this world. How, what, where, when, you know, um, God made heaven and earth. And at the end of time, when he returns, he will remake both of them and join them together forever. So can I ask if we're, if, how do what do we say as people of faith how does knowing that this earth is not all there is how does that influence the way that we live in the here and now yeah exactly. you know like why don't we just say well let's just take every let's scrape every resource we can from this physical world cuz god's going to remake it anyways <laughs> why don't why don't we say that right i mean i think i have my own answers but uh but I'm curious what you think about that. If heaven is really, and I think that one of the things that we do know, and you, you touched on this, the Bible is very clear that this earth is not all that there is, either in time or in space. Mm-hmm. So if that's the truth, then why do we care? Why do we care what we do here, uh, sort of as stewards of the earth? I, I think that's exactly the point, right? You imagine like if if at, at one day our bodies will be glorified and made new, I mean, we would not be good stewards if we were like, well, that means I'm just going to eat candy and ice cream every day Mm. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. In fact, if you know that your body is going to be glorified at the end, um, one, it it should motivate you to actually take care of your body. Um, And it even talks about, Scripture talks about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if there are injuries and aches, the hope lies in that even in the midst of those challenges, one day it will be fully restored. When you, when you have pain and aches, you don't just say, well, 
my 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 body's just going to be renewed. So right. I'm just going to do whatever I want right. and, and just not take care of it. Yeah. And I think when we have the same perspective of, of let's say the earth or the planet or our relationships, like you you're missing the whole point of um it's like the whole idea of uh I, I might be getting this wrong but World War 2 uh, aficionados uh let me know if I like you know th- there was there was V-Day. Mhm. But that didn't mean on that day all the uh, trench warfare and battles and skirmishes ended. Yeah. Um, the victory was won, but there were still battles going on. And, and I think we can say, yeah, one day God will bring all things to his victory. But um, we like we're, we're still like we, we're, we're still um, what am I trying to say? You getting the drift of I am. I mean, one of the things that that comes to mind for me is also that we're not looking. There's not like a clear break. Like there's there's not like a um, if our soul and our consciousness, it's not like it stops and then starts again. Right. In right. some ways, the the life that we are beginning, the work that we are doing on our eternal souls, uh, carries into the you know the next the next era of our existence with God. And so it's not, you can't just say, like you said, well, it doesn't matter what I do here mm. because as a person of faith, I would say, well, there are eternal aspects of who God made me to be. Yeah. And those things are also influenced by the decisions that I make now. And I, just to sort of carry the weight of that in your short-term decisions to say, I, I am part, what I'm doing now is a part of my, man, that sounds wild, but it is a part of my eternal existence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and to let that be, uh, uh, an influencing factor. I think that's, and that's another uh, misconception that, Oftentimes Christians have, and I did when I was younger too. I, I thought when I died, that's when eternal life happens. No, right. eternal life begins now yeah. and goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Just like we talked about if, if like your addictions went on forever and ever and ever, that, that would be hell. You could say heaven is the uh, fully unveiled presence of God in this new earth. Um, and hell is the full, full veil like full, like God's presence being fully veiled and absent. Yeah. So instead of like thinking of heaven as clouds and hell as fire, it, it, it's it's I I think more helpful to think of heaven as the full absence of sin and the full presence unhindered of God, and hell is just the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. And we're so and we're what we're doing now sort of carries into that like it's not that it's not that our existence stops and then starts again it's more that god intersects with our existence in a fully revealed way in heaven and Mm -hmm. in a fully absent way in hell yeah that's interesting i i i think about that again because amy and i my wife you know we live on a what is a beautiful piece of property and there are so many mornings where i wake up and i get the sense of of God revealing himself mm-hmm. in the sunrise or in um, or in sort of the beauty of the land, the changing of the seasons. And it's interesting to think what that would be if his presence was fully revealed. Mm-hmm. How much more amazing would it be 
You know, I'm yeah. in awe almost every morning. Yeah. Um, uh, and just realizing that that is merely like a foretaste yeah. of, of what a fully revealed presence of God in nature and on earth would look like. Yeah, there's a lot to think about there, man. Yeah, you know, even what Revelation talks about, like in the new heavens and new earth, there won't even be the sun mm. because God himself will be kind of like the, the sun, the, the light that is fully revealed. I mean, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and I, I'm when we close as, as we close, I'm going to pull out one quote from a um, a book called "Surprised by Hope." Read it. Mm. It's by N.T. Wright. Um, he speaks a lot about this whole idea of going up to heaven versus new new heavens and new earth. Is N.T. Wright controversial in some circles? In, in some circles, okay. And it's it's really like w- maybe a, a couple really s- like smaller segment of his beliefs. Okay. All, all that to say, though, shoot, man, if we if we judge uh, every other author by that, like <laughs> know, C.S. Right? Lewis would oh, be yeah, man. just. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to I just uh, I feel like I had heard that. And I've yeah. I've never I don't I don't know what the controversies are. I've just heard people say, like, why would you quote N.T. Wright? <laughs> in fact, yeah, I, I remember. I, in fact, I, I think this happened where I quoted N.T. Wright in a sermon and I heard somebody who, who said that very thing. Yeah. Anyways, uh, again, like let's not let's not hold NT right to a standard no. that you and I f- fail on yep. on a daily basis. But he, here's what he says, uh, and we'll close with this and with any comments or thoughts on this. But he says it was people who believed robustly in the resurrection, not people who compromised and went in for a mere spiritualized survival, who stood up against Caesar in the first centuries of the Christian era. A piety that sees death as the moment of, quote-unquote, going home at last, the time when we are, quote-unquote, called to God's eternal peace, has no quarrel with power mongers who want to carve up the, carve up the world to suit their own ends. Resurrection, by contrast, has always gone with a strong view of God's justice and of God as a good creator. Those twin beliefs give rise not to meek acquiescence to injustice in the world, but to a robust determination to oppose it. English evangelicals gave up believing in the urgent imperative to improve society, such as we find with Wilberforce in the late 18th and 19th century, about the same time that they ha- uh, have uh, th- that they gave up believing robustly in resurrection and settled for a disembodied heaven instead. Wow. So wow. he's saying, if you have a robust understanding of the new heavens and new earth, that gives you a more robust view of fighting injustice in yeah. this world. Yeah. But if you're just going to, if it's this disembodied, truncated view of heaven, right. why bother? Right. Right. And if you believe, and again, I, when he's talking about resurrection, he's talking people believed in the actual physical resurrection of their bodies. Yep. And so they were basically like, hey, I'm going to show back up here. Yeah. You know, like I, like, so what happens in right here is critically important um, because versus, again, like that old hymn, in the sweet by and by, <laughs> kind of like we're going to leave this all behind and, and it doesn't really matter what you've left on the old shore. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot to, to think about, Sung. Uh, that's a lot to think about. Heaven and hell are two um, things where I think I would love for them to be clearer. <laughs> and the more I talk about them, the less clear I feel. <laughs> On on some of the on, not on the core of them, right? right, right but right. on on, on the details. Of, yes, it's sort of like what does this look like, and what does this actually mean? Yeah, uh, I, I do. But I can also look at it and say, you know, that's might be a place where we just learn to embrace the mystery. Yeah, and say what we do know is that something. 
beyond us exists yeah. in eternity. Right. You don't want to get to heaven, this new earth, and go, eh, yeah, just what I expected. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This this checks out. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how much of my beliefs about heaven and hell um, are influenced by those stupid little tracts that we used to, because oh, uh, as a I kid, in, you know what I'm talking yep. about? Like in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, the little tracts um, that- you Find them in the restroom. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The, you know, we used to put them in kids' uh, trick-or-treat baskets <laughs> instead of candy. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that when I think about heaven. I act, those drawings. I mean, I'm a very visual person, but those drawings pop up in my head, and so in some ways, I've been combating that ever since. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. So you mentioned a bunch of other things that we're gonna tackle um, uh, coming up. We have a lot more um, ideas and conversations to have. Again, if you have questions, if there are aspects of of faith or scripture that you are unsure about, please let us know. We would love to make it a part of an upcoming podcast. So until we see you again, have yourself a great day. A heavenly day. A heavenly day.